Welcome to this week's episode of Startups for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Rob Walling. This week, Tracy Osborne joins me on the show once again, and we talk through 15 tools we use to run our business. In this case, the business is MicroConf and TinySeed. And in fact, we actually run through more than 15 tools, but it seemed a little ridiculous to put how many tools we actually mention in the title. This episode idea is Swiped Whole Hog from the Tropical MBA. So hats off to uh, Dan and Ian over there for coming up with a, a great episode format. And I felt like we could share similar, similar knowledge and different tools and, and our thoughts on how we use them and why. But before we dive in, I received an email from Sharud Agarwal, and it's regarding episode 499, the two-parter that I did with Jordan Gall on this first six stages of SaaS growth. He says, hey, Rob, longtime listener, first-time emailer. I've really enjoyed listening to the podcast for a long time now in all its different formats. However, your recent two-parter with Jordan Gall has been one of my favorites. I've been thinking about why it was a favorite. The obvious reasons are that I can match my journey with yours and Jordan's and figure out what I've done differently slash similarly and what may come next. But thinking more, I realized that these episodes filled the huge gap left by the end of the startup podcast by Gimlet Media. I think pretty much everyone in startups have been saddened by the decline of that series. However, I imagine it was a very difficult series to pull off. I think your format could replace it with a lighter version, less editing, less raw emotional content, but still going through the stages of a startup's life and expressing the feelings and decisions that had to be made along the way. Love what you're doing. Keep it up. Thanks, Sharud. So thank you, Sharud, for uh, writing in. This type of feedback helps me understand not just if someone likes it, but why they like it. And I've already been giving thought to, are there other episode formats like that where I can bring on another founder and compare our paths or you know how we did XYZ, how we validated or how this stage went. So I'm giving some thought on how to replicate that format, but with new content. So definitely appreciate that. And I have received uh, quite a bit of positive feedback about those particular episodes, 499 and 499 and a half. Let's dive into my conversation with Tracy Osborne. If you recall, Tracy is the program manager at TinySeed. So she and I work together on a daily basis. And I thought if I was going to talk about tools to run the startups, in essence, that I'm working on, that she'd be a great person to come on and talk about it. She's been on several startups for the rest of us episodes over the past, uh, I'd say about eight to 12 months. And I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Tracy, thanks so much for joining me again on Startups for the Rest of Us. Yeah, happy to be back. It's always a pleasure having you on, and I'm excited today to talk about, you know, 15-ish, 15 or so tools that that we use to run our business. Actually, pretty much I'm swiping this idea, well, from a couple places. So I heard an episode of the Tropical MBA podcast just a couple weeks ago before recording this, and they dove into their, I don't know, they had eight or 10 tools they talked about, and I found that topic pretty dang interesting, and I, I think they did a really good job covering it, and it reminded me that... I've been on Twitter for, I don't even, I'd have to look, 10 years, 11 years. I tweet not so much, but I, I do now and again a few times a week. And I believe that of, of all the things that I've tried to impart on Twitter, of all the like the frameworks and the theories and the, and the whatever, that this is maybe my most popular tweet of all time, which is if I were starting a company today, I would use tool, 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 you know, Zoom, Notion, Conley. And it's like 1,300 likes and I don't know, hundreds of retweets. And as much, as infuriating as that is to me, because this was this was something I just fired off in like three minutes, you know? And sometimes I'll spend like 40 minutes trying to think of and, you know, do this whole, this whole tweet thing. So this is the other thing that influenced me is I already had this list and I thought, well, I wonder if it's not worth chatting through how we use these tools, why we chose to use them. And really the question that I started with is, to, to get this list is, what do I log into 
several times a week? Or what do I have pinned to the left side of my browser? So at Tiny Seed, because we work with these, you know, people building tools for businesses, I think that we are more aware of the things that are out there for businesses to use being a business ourselves. So not only like what's established, but I think this also gives us an opportunity to kind of talk about some of our more established choices as compared to some of the newer choices, things that have come up, things that we've we've seen, being that this has been our focus at Tiny Seed. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to bring you on here is because obviously you and I work together along with uh, the rest of the MicroConf and the, and the Tiny Seed team in a bunch of these tools. So we both have experience with most of them. And you've done a bunch of well, I know you're a tools person as well. Like you just, you pick the right tool for the job and you, you learn the keyboard shortcuts and you learn how to hack the tools as a developer. You just have that, that instinct of really optimizing them. And you've done a bunch of evaluation of, hey, Tracy, we need a thing that does X. Can you look at the 10 things available? And then you come back with a big old Google or Notion doc and, and help guide the recommendation. <laughs> I'm glad that you appreciate those giant guides. <laughs> those like the pros and con lists that I set up and all the giant like lists of reasons to use something versus not. I'm glad it's appreciated. And here are three screencasts from Tracy walking through the onboarding process of this tool. I, lo- yep. I love it. Yeah, it's always <laughs> good. So I want to I want to kick it off, and I want to mention three tools that I think they kind of don't count in this list. I'm not including them in, in our count because I just think they're so ubiquitous. And when we say them, most people will say, "Yes, I use that too," and I'm and I'm not really changing. And there aren't that many alternatives. So we use we use the G Suite, right? So we're in the the Gmail for business, along with Google Calendar to manage our company calendar, and we use Zoom for video chat and voice chat. And we have for well, I've I mean, I used it. We switched to it 2014, probably with Drip. It was pretty early on because we had done like Skype and we tried. Go to meeting, and we, you know, there weren't that many choices. And by the time we landed on Zoom, I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. This is probably the best one, you know, we found. Obviously, there are alternatives to these, but I think these are generally the the market leaders. And the last one is Calendly. Now, I also really like You Can Book Me, and that company is is bootstrapped. And the co-founder Bridget has spoken at MicroConf. The only reason that I don't use You Can Book Me is they didn't have a tight integration with Zoom, where you can click on a link, book a thing, and get a unique Zoom link. Before I needed that integration, I actually did use You Can Book Me. So that's a great alternative if if you don't need that feature. But Calendly is kind of the other the scheduling software that I think a lot of us use. I laughed a little bit when you mentioned Zoom being so ubiquitous because as I was clicking the calendar event for this, I almost clicked on the Google Meet link that Google's been throwing everywhere. I could just feel Google being like, why is Zoom the big, <laughs> why can't we be the the default? But I haven't actually ever used Google Meet, but I, of course, by using G Suite, the buttons are everywhere. I am so frustrated right now because I sent a calendar invite to someone to record the podcast. And I put nothing in the location. And down in the notes, I said, hey, we're going to record via Squadcast. That's a tool I use. I'll send you a link later. And sure enough, Google automatically inserts like a Google Meet or a Google Hangout. I, I don't know. I don't use either of those tools, but they automatically inserted a link. And so the person went to this other thing thinking that they had you know, that they were in the right place. And so I'm, I'm frustrated with that UX. Like I, and I couldn't remove, I would have had to manually go in and like remove it afterwards. I did not opt into that. You know, it was very much a default setting that kind of screwed me and cost me like five minutes of this, of this meeting. So yeah, you can tell Google's feeling threatened by Zoom, right? Yep. All right, so to kick us off, so I was going to include this next one in, in the list of kind of these don't really count, but you said you, you wanted to talk about it and I think it's, it's a good call, Slack. Let's talk about what it is. Well, let's not talk about what it is. Everyone knows what it is. But let's talk about how we use it and why maybe you should or shouldn't use it. 
Yeah, this one's always on top of my brain because I microconf connect the the Slack channel, Slack workspace for microconf. I'm in like a mod role there. So constantly it comes up. It, people join the Microconf Connect workspace and they're like, why are we using this? Why are we using something else? And I'm like, come on, guys. We're, you clicked on the link to, to join it. <laughs> but I was part of the decision to use Slack for Microconf as well as use Slack for TinySeed as compared to, say, what were the other ones? I want to say Discourse, Discord. Those ones I get mixed up a lot. Yep. Discourse is is forum software. Discord, it was started in kind of the video game circles, right? And so it has audio and forums, I believe. I've never used it because I'm the old guy. And then remember, even for within TinySeed, we had considered using Basecamp instead of Slack, just briefly. But it was so f- around projects or Basecamps, as they call them, I think. It, it just didn't quite have the feel, a community feel that we needed for this type of thing. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because there's a lot of these tools that are, are really, they work really well for a company. The company has teams and projects and whatnot, but both TinySA and MicroConf are more communities where some of the people you're working with are people who are going to be occasional users checking in every week or every month or so. So MicroConf, we wanted to set it up in a way that people can use it as they need it. It doesn't have to be something that really bugs them and use it alongside the other tools. Actually, the same goes for, for TinySeed. And Slack has a really easy way of popping in between all the workspaces you're part of. And it adds, you know, you can add new workspaces pretty easily. So I have to admit, like, in addition to to what Slack does well, everyone knows about with this like channels and whatnot. And there's some things about Slack that I don't really like, but it, in general, it was the one that worked best for communities that are not a team, if that makes sense. Right. And, and when you think about it, it's designed for, like you're saying, a company or a department and inner office communication, right? So like get out of email and get into Slack. But Branching out into, you know, MicroConf Connect with 1,100 people who do not work for the same company. It, it works relatively well there. Now, I am the first person to say I don't actually, I don't love Slack. I hate the interruptive nature, but I don't know of a better tool for what we need to accomplish. You know, I actually, I do not disturb quite a bit on Slack. I go offline quite a bit. I pause notifications quite a bit because I believe, especially for people like us who need to do deep work, whether that's designing, writing code, writing copy, just doing deep thinking, that this this constant brush click, is that what the, whatever that noise is, is like, it just, it just grates on you and it interrupts and it pulls you out for 20 minutes and you can't get back in the headspace. So anyways, I, I don't want to go off on a Slack rant. I just want to say one more thing, like that's something we put into the Tiny Seed handbook for the people who are joining Tiny Seed. We say, hey, we're using Slack, but also we expect you to use Do Not Disturb, to expect you to pause notifications and whatnot. And so I think that's really what Slack, I mean, Slack wants people to use it as much as possible, but I think if you want to use Slack and enjoy it as much as possible, you have to use these tools to quiet it. Well, and also we say, hey, if you don't need to hear back on something for two, three, four hours, send an email. And if you need an urgent answer and you are hung up and you cannot proceed or you're on a call and need it right now, then Slack me or frankly, send me a text message. Like I will get those immediately and I will respond. But when I get something in Slack that really could wait a day or two, I'm a little bit frustrated with that because I think it's a poor use of the tool. And I think something asynchronous should be used when it's like, hey, when you have time in the next week, can you write this up? It's like, that's a great to do that should either go directly into my Trello board or it should go into my email, in which case I can, you know, move it into my Trello board. That's actually a great point. Whereas we were using Slack, both TinySeed and MicroConf actually 
just for social, non-important conversations. And that comes up a lot with MicroConf Connect is that people want to have like a forum because they want to have a place where they can discuss work, which is, it's a large reason why we have that community is that people can like have long discussions about tools or some work things. But we also wanted a place where people can be like, hey, what are you drinking? Like the coffee channel in MicroConf Connect is one of the more popular informal channels. People are just like, hey, what are you drinking today? And this is the tool that allowed us to have this kind of like, irreverent random conversations and tell people it was okay to use them. Our next tool is Notion. And we use this for our permanent documentation. I mean, Notion, for those who aren't familiar, it's, it's like a wiki. It's like a wiki with a lot of features, built-in calendar, built-in Kanban boards, built-in all types of stuff you can drop in. But really at its essence, it feels to me like Google Docs combined with Google Sheets combined with Trello with a left navigation. Right. That's like, that's how I think about it in my head. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. It's very overwhelming. The first time you use it is just blank and you have no like good guiding for like how to use it. And they have like these templates you can use and walkthroughs and all that, but it's like almost overwhelming how many things you can do in it. It's one of those things that I think requires you to look at someone else's instance of how they use Notion. And then you're like, oh, right, I can use in this way because it's really this mishmash of, of all these other services. But I think it works really well. And it's something that I think we really, really needed is kind of combine all these services into one major dashboard. Right. And for Tiny Seed, we use it for batch documentation and communication. Hey, you know, when you need to see the mentor list and who specializes in what, or when you need to see the Tiny Seed playbook or the Tiny Seed handbook, like it's all embedded there. And it's, again, it's some, it's somewhat permanent and it's just in a drop down menu that you can check it out for the podcast. This podcast you're listening to right now, we have a calendar of, of upcoming episodes. Each one has a card with an outline. When the show notes are written up, and the, the tweets are written up. They go in here for my approval. The editor uses this. This is all in a Kanban board where it can go from left to right. And when it's in editing, he gets pinged, you know, and he edits and then he sends it back to our producer for show notes. So it's a whole workflow engine built in. And then for MicroConf, it's, it's more documentation and just, hey, let's, let's think about how, you know, here's our brand document of what MicroConf is and all that stuff. And so Notion's good for permanent docs, but the next tool, tool number three, is Google Docs and Sheets that we use a lot more for temporary stuff and for collaboration because I find Google Docs and Sheets to be way easier to collaborate in than Notion. Yeah, Notion suffers a little bit from being slow. And it's really, I think, frustrates to me when I'm working with someone else and having it to sync updates back and forth. I'm looking at the card actually for Cyrus for Rest of Us. I can see you going through it, which is really great. And that's what I want in, say, like collaborating on a blog post. But Google for that collaboration tools for like the editing uh, on Google Docs or seeing what people are doing in Sheets. It's just so much faster and smoother that I tend to lean to using those tools over Notion, even though Notion has those things built in. Yeah. And the interesting thing, there's two things that I struggle with with Notion. One is, as far as I know, you can't track changes if you just have a big document of text. If you have a Google Doc, you can say track changes, make a bunch of edits, and then the other person has to accept them and they can see all the edits. And I've never found a way to do that in Notion that makes sense. The other thing is Notion uses the, the thing where each line is its own object. So if I have a 50-line essay or I guess it's each paragraph is its own object. And so when I'm, I use keyboard shortcuts, right? Up arrow, up arrow, like they don't work the way I want them to. You know what I mean? Like when you're in a word processing doc, whether it's Word or Google Sheets or 
any other word processor for the past 30 years, they all work the same. And Notion doesn't work that way with long form copy. And I think it's, it's, they make it easier for dragging elements around in a document, but it's a lot harder for me to compose or just straight write and go because my flow is constantly broken by the fact that it breaks the paradigm of a normal word processor. Yep, exactly. Cool. I'm glad that I was hoping you weren't going to say, oh no, there's a setting for both of those something, you know, because I, I haven't actually poked around. I just said, ah, I'll just, you know, keep using this old tool. So that's Google Docs and Google Sheets, which are kind of, you know, our temporary stuff. Because when I tweeted this out, some of the most common questions were, why do you use Notion at all? Or why do you use Google Docs and Sheets and Notion? And that's really, that's really the difference is that, you know, they're the best tools for, for what we're looking for. Tool number four, pretty common one, we use Dropbox for business. And that's for our file storage. And one of the most common questions I got was, why don't you use Google Drive for file storage? And do you, do you remember why we made that decision? I don't actually. A big part of it was UX and just the user experience of it. And I think everyone on the team was already using Dropbox and it was where we had started storing stuff. And I got to be honest, whenever I've dealt with Google Drive, I find myself pretty frustrated and Anar shared that perspective. So it was an easy call to just be like, get a Dropbox for business and put it in there. I'm guessing by now Google Drive, have, did they have the desktop client that like syncs with a folder on your Mac? Because they didn't used to have that. I have no idea. I'm actually really glad you said that. I don't think I was I was in that conversation, but I agree wholeheartedly because every time I use Google Drive for sharing docs, between, I, I use it actually in Google Drive for um, doing tax documents between me and my husband and it drives me up the wall. It's really interesting. And it's one of those things that I think it's hard for me to put an exact exact reasons on other than I know the search doesn't work as well as I want it to. I know I can never seem to find anything. I know I don't want to set up a folder structure, even though I intuitively do with Dropbox because it's just on my file system. And again, I'm sure someone's thinking, well, Google Drive has that, but they didn't when I they didn't when I started using Dropbox a decade ago or whatever. And Dropbox was just so far ahead of everyone else. And it's still, I just don't have many issues with it. And I have the personal Dropbox and you can flip right into your business one and they're separate, but it's all, and it works on all my devices. So I just, there's, there's nothing broken with it. And I love the scanning. Oh my gosh. Have you scanned documents with your phone? I've seen you you mentioned yeah. this like in three different places in the last yeah, week. Sorry. <laughs> I get a little carried away. Well, here's the thing. So, you know, it, we're in the middle of, uh, well, we're coming out of the COVID quarantine. And so a lot of my kids' music teachers will take a photo on their iPhone or Android and they'll text me a photo of a music sheet out of a music book and stuff that's public domain. Don't get upset. We're not sharing illegal music, but they share it over and it looks terrible. And I try to print it out and it's all yellow and it, it's fuzzy and stuff. But if I just run it through the Dropbox, scan this image, it scans it. You know, it has an algorithm. It's like we live in the future and it makes it all with a white background and it, it flattens it out and it does some pretty cool stuff. So I've, I've just found it super useful. Our fifth tool is LastPass. And we use LastPass for business. I use LastPass personally. And it's just because it's what I started with, like one password. I heard it has better UX and it probably does. I've just never used it. I think once you start putting passwords somewhere, you, <laughs> it's pretty, kind of gets tough to switch. And I saw when Leadpages acquired Drip, they were using LastPass Enterprise or LastPass for business. And I saw how you could switch between the personal and the business account. And they managed, you know, they were at 170 employees and it worked for them. And so it was pretty much a no-brainer for us to kind of just roll into that, you know, with the tiny seed microconf stuff. I will say that when I joined Tiny Seed and you're like, and we're using LastPass, I died a little bit. Yeah, I can imagine. Because <laughs> I, I use 1Password myself, but I don't. I have no idea about 1Password's business or team settings. I only use LastPass for Tiny Seed stuff. It works okay. I mean, it's fritzed a few times on us, 
Like when we're trying to share passwords between you and me or another team member, like what would we do without it though? Yeah. Well, we could try to, f- I'm sure that one password or there's another tool that has something and you're right. The usability is getting better, but it's not great. And then it does have some weird edge case bugs. And since you're not paying that much for it, the support's not great. Like I, I do have, of, of all the tools we mentioned so far, LastPass is the one that I'm kind of like, Ugh. It, it's the one I maybe like the least, but it, it certainly works well enough that the switching cost would be not worth it. All right, our sixth tool is Dasharoo, Dasharoo.com. And Dasharoo is something we've only used for a couple of months. And what happened is producer Xander and I were looking at, you know, the microconf, the email list and the YouTube views and I don't know, the Twitter followers. And then I was looking at my own and I realized, you know, I've never, aside from the custom dashboard we built into Drip itself and I guess Hittail before that to track MRR and track all that stuff, I've really never had like marketing dashboards. And I always just have some tabs that I open up and it, and it is kind of inefficient. And so I went on this 30 minute, 40 minute research project to kind of find a dashboard where I could group a bunch of stuff and, and just hook into the APIs OAuth in and have it pull in pull in data. I did come across, you know, I, I like Sunrise KPI, which is by Brian Castle, who's been on the show a few times, but it, Sunrise didn't have YouTube stats. And Dasharoo had everything we needed except for, I think it's the drip. It doesn't hit drip and pull in subscriber counts. So yeah, I check it two or three times a week. And it's nice to have the pulse kind of on what's what's going on. There, there's web traffic, there's email subscriber counts, again, social metrics, YouTube views and subscribers and all that stuff. And it's it was less valuable for like the first two, three, four weeks as we're building a history. But now that we have graphs showing us ups and downs, it's become a lot more valuable, I think. Yeah, that one's a new one for me. I'm looking looking forward to checking it out. Yeah, I should invite you in because, you know, we have the, the tiny seed stuff and the microconf numbers and uh, startups for the rest of us. And then we have kind of my own, you know, the Rob Walling stuff, but just in different dashboards that you can kind of kind of flip through. Yes. I know. it's And, and Dasharoo itself, it, it, it's good. I've run into some issues with some bugs and stuff, but just the concept of having a marketing dashboard, I think it's pretty cool. like the experience. The seventh tool we'll cover is actually two tools. It's the tools, aside from Notion, that we use to run this podcast. The first is Squadcast, squadcast.fm, which is a Tiny Seed Batch 2 company. And that's what we're using right now to record this lovely audio quality. And I switched to Squadcast. I'm thinking it was six, seven months ago when Zencaster, I was frustrated with Zencaster. It was not only having some outages, but the audio quality was never what I wanted it to be. And so the moment Squadcast came on my radar, I was like, wow, they can record at that high level. You know, it's it's audio quality. It's as close as you can get to a true local recording as I've used in a tool. And the second tool is Castos. And Castos hosts all of our podcasts. We have Startups for the Rest of Us. I work on Tiny Seed Tales and MicroConf on air. And it's podcast hosting and analytics. And it's a batch one Tiny Seed company. And what's funny is these are tools that I either used or wanted to move to before they were Tiny Seed companies. You know, it's not like I, I moved to them after. But, well, I guess Castos technically I migrated to after, but I had been wanting to get some legitimate hosting because we were on flat file hosting before then. Have you in- interacted with either of these? Yeah, I mean, Squadcast has just been through recording these episodes for Startups for the Rest of Us. It's funny because, like, I wondered when you changed to Squadcast because my last, no, the second to last time I was on the podcast, that was the one where my audio just completely failed. And I think Zencaster just, it wasn't Squadcast, it was Zencaster. Zencaster just died on me. And then we had this whole thing where I was like, oh, I have a backup using QuickTime. But of course, the QuickTime backup was using the long, wrong audio input. I remember that. I listened to all my 
my episodes I do with this podcast, but I have not listened to that one because I've been so... <laughs> I asked someone else, someone else told me, they're like, yeah, it sounded fine. But I know I would be able to hear it and it just killed me. So when Squadcast, the next time we use Squadcast and it was just like night and day. And not just saying that again, because it's, they're a part of Tenia Seed, but it's like such a good experience compared to what was before. And it's just delightful to be able to work directly with the team now. Our eighth tool is another combo tool. It's Drip and Write Message. And obviously Drip is where we host all of our email lists. And I have for years, of course, I still, you know, I know they pivoted into e-commerce, but it still really does what what I want it to and need it to. And we're still with that. And then Write Message, we've been rolling out. We rolled it out to the MicroConf website a month or two ago, something that's kind of been on my list for six months or more. Actually, no, I was talking to Shy about it at MicroConf Europe. So it's like eight or nine months, but it's just finding the time to, you know, implement it. And since we rolled it out, producer Xander's like, yeah, this is, this is working well. Like it's really, it's just a solid tool and it's helping us get more information about people and it's helping, but in a way that is going to help us serve them better, you know, and make better recommendations to them and, and provide more value. And so in the process now of talking through, okay, how do we roll this out on Startups for the Rest of Us? You know, what, what does it look like to roll it out on, on the other websites that we're working on? Yeah, I'm in the middle of looking at it for Tiny Seed. And because it's, it's, you know, when you have different groups of people coming to your website, so Tiny Seed, we have people who want to be funded by us, but also, you know, we're fundraising for our next fund. It's really nice to have a tool finally that you can kind of customize your messaging for those things. And I, I've been building websites for like 20 years. And it just blows my mind that we have this ability now to like be able to segment out the, the messaging we have. Tool number nine is Trello. I use Trello really just for my business, I was going to say personal to-do list, but it's, I don't collaborate with anyone on it. I, I use it for what I have to get done today, this week, whatever, to track what I've done. And then I have a separate board for startups for the rest of us questions going there and I can use it to prioritize and move them around. And I do sometimes invite guests, you know, if there's a Q&A episode, invite them there and they'll see the, the list and can go through them. Do you use Trello at all? I don't. <laughs> Yeah. What do you use for your to-do list management? I spoke about it on MicroConf on Air. I just use Google Doc. Mm. Oh, that's right. That's not a bad way to go. Yeah. It just like, it was one of those things where I just wanted to write more. So I was just like, oh, I'm just going to keep it as a text doc and it's just going to get as long as I need, but I can just like keep rearranging things. And I'm sure that the way I rearrange all the bullet points I have would just one-to-one to a card format. But it's like, well, you know, I already have this in my, my bookmarks bar and it's working fine for me. That's the thing. Yeah. And I'm, I, for years I did my to-dos on paper, like in a moleskin notebook. And I love the tactile feeling of paper, but it's just so impractical. And I reprioritizing things, changing order of things, writing it down when I didn't have my notebook with me. So then I had a separate like online, like a simple note doc or a Google doc where I would, if I was out and about and someone's like, oh, you have this to do, or here's a great book recommendation, or you should, whatever, here's a great idea. I would then have this other list that didn't make it back to the paper until I got back to, and I'd retranscribe it. And so it just became quickly like, this is not working. And so I moved to electronic formats. I tried out a few tools and frankly, Trello was a big switch for me. Figuring out making Trello work was definitely a big win. Tool number 10, Squarespace. And this is an interesting one because so I was all on, all my sites were on WordPress before we started Tiny Seed. And there were other WordPress, so they were, you know, just custom, custom built. And when we went to do the Tiny Seed website, I said, hey, we're going to do, I think we should do WordPress because it's what I'm used to. And he said, how about Squarespace? And I was like, man, is that even a, like, is that sophisticated enough? And he pointed me to this design firm that had done some work for him. And I, I said, man, these guys are really good. And as it turns out, 
since Squarespace, if you're really good at Squarespace design, you can crank out pretty good looking sites in not a lot of time. And so if you go to like tinyseed.com, the initial design of that plus I think probably five, six of the pages was all done in like a seven hour period, one day. And we just worked with, you know, Knapsack Creative is, is who we work with. And that showed me the power of being able to crank this out. And since then we've moved the microconf sites over there. I moved startsmall.com, which is my book website. I tr- I would have moved the podcast website, startupsoftherestofus.com, but it has 500 audio files that are attached to it. And, and I, I still think WordPress is better for blogging and for podcasting because of the serial nature of it and just how many good plugins it has. But those are my sentiments. I know you you have had real mixed, mixed experience with Squarespace. You want to talk about that? That was a a big lesson learned for me, I guess, joining Tiny Seed because you're like, okay, cool. The website is on Squarespace. And I was just like, really? Like, oh, because I'm, I'm a designer. My background is in design and doing front development and doing a little bit of everything. And I've used Squarespace in the past and the constraints on Squarespace just drove me up the wall. And so then I would, and this is not necessarily a good thing, I'd be like, throw it into the wind and I would start working on a, like a whole new system. And then I have to code the system and do the design for the system. And then things are breaking and then how you deploy it and all that kind of stuff. And that's how I would do in the past. And I really realized that Tiny we have our focus is on other things and Squarespace does what it does really well. Now there's times where I'm just like, man, I really want to add a quote block here. And I really want to have a, you know, the quote to be formatted in this way. And I want to have a photo of the person who's giving us a testimonial at the top. And Squarespace just won't let me do it because of those constraints, because of those design constraints, which makes creating initial design super fast. But when you want to do something custom afterwards, it just stops you. And that's when I complain to you. But there's no reason for us to move off of it. I can work with those constraints. And I think that's also a good lesson learned for anyone who's like, it's hard lesson learned for a lot of startup founders because you want to dive into doing something, I, I want to say, quote unquote, correct from the start and get the code all nice and get the design to a point where you can do whatever you want with it. But you know, sometimes there's trade-offs and sometimes you have to use the tool that has those constraints so you can work faster and it might not be perfect, but it gets it done. I think that's a great way to summarize it. Yeah, I of all people have seen the limits of what Squarespace can and can't do. And you will come back and say, hey, you just can't do this thing we want to do. And it's like, okay, then I'll settle. I'm not going to pick up and move it. It's not going to have such a profound impact on our business that we should redesign the whole site or we should, you know, every every tool is going to have its drawbacks. I mean, because we could move it to a completely custom site, but then you have, as you said, all the, the headache there. You could move it to WordPress, but then you have the constant security stuff and the plugins and the conflicts and the slowness and each tool comes with its trade-offs. And frankly, for a lot of these things, for us, Squarespace has the trade-offs that are pretty palatable. Tool number 11, and you actually called this out, is Voxer. And we don't use it that much. I think I use it more than anyone, I would say. And Voxer is just push-to-talk audio, or you can do, you can type too, but it's it's an instant send of your audio. And the reason that I like it over, let's say, like texting someone audio is that you can 2x or you can speed it up. And that's really it, right? You get a notification if I were to Voxer you and I'd say, oftentimes I'm in my car is really the most times I use it. Hey, I'm driving right now. Here's a thought I had. What do you think about it? And again, I think I'm probably the only one on the team that initiates them. When I worked at Lead Pages, it was a commonly used tool, but it was the first time I had ever used it. And I certainly don't expect everyone to like it nor feel comfortable with it. And that's what I kind of tell people is like, don't feel like you have to send me a Voxer back. You can just Slack or, you know, just let me know, email me or whatever. 
yeah, I should use it more. I keep forgetting it exists because like sending voice messages to people is something I just is not something I do often, not being that I shouldn't use it, but it's just something I don't ever think to use being that I have the computer in front of me and I could type. But <laughs> Voxer, actually I have, I have one contact in Voxer and it's you. Every time I, we use it back and forth though, it's, it's so good for just getting something out and you can get like the tone of the message out and you can kind of get the, you can kind of ramble a little bit and kind of you know, it's more human, I would say, than text. And it's something I probably should use to talk to Anar or talk to Xander or anyone else on the team. Just been using it on you. But it is it is a really great tool that I think that needs more eyes on it. Yeah, and that is when I use it. It's either when I'm like, I kind of have this thought, but I need to flesh it out over the course of three or four minutes of talking. Or it's when, hey, there's a lot of nuance to this. And, you know, if I have someone who I need to send nuance to who I don't know on Voxer, I will go record a loom with like a blank screen and I'll say, hey, please 1.7x this, but I just wanted to talk through because I can be more information dense here and you can also hear the nuance of this conversation or hear where I'm kind of teetering and not quite sure. And then they can, you know, they can play it in, in any venue and that's like a, kind of being able to hack that. Yeah, the worst part is not being able to edit what you said. <laughs> yep, yep. I think I've just for podcasting for years has made me um, either better at talking or less caring of <laughs> of the exact the exact words I'm using, I think. Yeah. So tool number 12, which is one that, that you threw out, and we, of course we use it all the time, but it didn't even occur to me because it is something that I'm just in. I never think, oh, I'm going to go use that tool. I usually just double click on a <laughs> on a file and it opens the tool is is Keynote. And ANR uses mostly PowerPoint, but you and I especially use Keynote a lot. And of course I use Keynote for conference talks and we use it for our like our tiny seed playbook, which is our internal kind of education stuff that we're we're doing for founders. You've also used it for some other purposes. Yeah, we we started doing some work around ebooks and maybe like multi-page PDFs. And the designer in me, the person who has a design degree, wanted to jump into like Adobe InDesign and you know that's as the quote unquote proper tool for creating like multi-page documents. And it kind of blew my mind. I forget, I forget how who taught me this, but to use Keynote to create that multi-page PDF is so much easier and faster than say using something like InDesign. So you can create eBooks really, really fast because in Keynote, it has all the tools I'm used to in InDesign where you can set styles, like a certain style for the headline, certain style for the text and all that kind of stuff. And then it's just like, boom, page by page by page, just put in your information. I don't even know if it, you can do flowing from page to page. I copy paste the text chunks I need from each page to another. But it's something that I've I've started using more and more over the last few months. Yes, because we've been using these ebooks, but it's also because I think we we worked together on one multi-page PDF and it kind of blew both of our minds. Like, oh wait, we can do this somewhere else. And we can use this for another thing. Oh, we can we can do this third thing through this other for sorry, for the rest of us or through microconf or whatnot. So it's something that's always open on my computer now. And just the simplicity of it as compared to some of these other tools makes it super easy for someone who's not a designer to kind of build these presentations and these books and all these other like long form pieces of content. Yeah, you know, we needed the PDF guides for startups for the rest of us. If if you haven't seen them, I recorded two exclusive episodes that have never been released. And one is, I forget the exact title, but I think it's like eight things you must know when launching your first SaaS and 10 things you should know as you scale your SaaS, something along those lines. And if you go to startupswithrestofus.com, enter your email address, you'll get those episodes. And then I wanted PDF guides along with them. And the guides are whatever, five pages, seven pages, you know, they're pretty short, but they kind of summarize everything. And the 
in the episodes. And I said, you know, I mean, obviously I could type them up in a Google doc and they look really plain. And I was like, you know, Tracy, you're a designer. You think you could just <laughs> put a few minutes to this and, and kind of add some formatting and a logo and make it on brand. And you sent it back. and I was like, this looks amazing. Like, I love how this looks. And you're like, yeah, I did it in Keynote. And I was like, what? You, you did this? Like it didn't, totally did not jive. I was like, I've never thought about Keynote as a, essentially a PDF ebook guide design tool. It's been a, a very surprising tool to use in that way, but a huge recommendation to anyone else who's, who's thinking on doing something like that to try Keynote first. Yeah, and it, let's see. So those guides we did it with, and then the MicroConf Mastermind guide that we put out a few weeks back, how to start a mastermind, and Masterminding 101 was also um, done using that process. Our 13th tool is TweetBot. And I'm curious, so I don't use it. I use Twitter.com after using after using Hootsuite for a while and then just being like, ugh, I just use Twitter.com now. I think if I was a power user, I would use a, a different tool for sure. But what, what makes you use TweetBot? <laughs> it's, not, it's not like a really great reason for using this. I have a great reason for not using Twitter.com. And it, Twitter is is one of those things where it's like, I wish it didn't have to exist, but I have I need to use it for the things that I do. And I've been using Twitter since the very, very beginning. But Twitter.com, the things they've been doing to increase engagement, they started throwing up likes into your feed and like people, not just like people's retweets, but like the things they liked and then like the people they respond to. And it just like the noise got so overwhelming. And, you know, some of these old legacy tools don't do that. And it's like, yes, I don't want to see what people are liking or anything like that. I just need one tool that A, takes these things out of my feed, but B, allows me to seamlessly switch between different accounts. And so this could be TweetBot or this can be some other tool. Those are my reasons for not using Twitter.com for this because that noise is overwhelming and I can't use it to, it would suck my day away trying to keep up on that. I think it's pretty easy now to switch between accounts on Twitter.com. At least in the browser, in Chrome, it's easy. But I hear you and you know what, until you said it just now, it it hadn't even occurred to me that I don't follow that many people on Twitter, but there's all this junk in there of like, this person that you don't even follow said this and it's getting popular. And it's like, I don't follow them. I don't care. Like I really, the noise is... It's a problem. And so th- I'm glad you said that. I think I might look into using a different different tool. I hadn't occurred to me that it was something that I could, f- that was fixable. Yeah. I'll become a brat every now and then and I'll just go through it because you can click the little arrow and it's like, I don't like this. And I'll just be like, I'm just going to go through the entire like three pages and just click, I don't like this. It's doing nothing, I am sure, but it, it pleases me. But it also tells me like it'll be every third tweet now. It's, it's something that you're not following. And it's just, it's not something I like. Yeah, it's artificial engagement. Tool number 14 is Buffer. You want to talk about how we use that? When it comes to using for Twitter for business, I don't want to have to remember every single day that to be social, to share something, to remind myself to, you know, like, oh, wait, I need to keep the feed active, so-and-so. Like, again, I wish Twitter didn't exist. I wish I didn't have to do this, but I need to use it effectively. And one of those things is to keep the, the feed active. But I don't like that interruption of every single day being like, all right, time to go figure out Twitter, time to go read the feed and whatnot. So I need something that allows me to, to set things up in batches and to know that for the next week, everything is taken care of. So that's what I use Buffer for. And there's other tools that allow you to do this, but just something that like on a Monday, go through all the things that you want to share on your business, want to share personally and whatnot. And then you can close the tool and move on and focus on something else. Yeah, I think Meet Edgar would be another tool from Laura Roter that, that could do this. And my assistant producer also uses 
buffer on the startups for the rest of his side. But realistically, it was literally just to schedule like one tweet or two tweets and, and Twitter just added the ability to schedule tweets. And it's, I'm sure it's not very robust, but we could probably, I, we're on the buffer free plan anyway, so it doesn't really matter, but I'm, I'm sure you could move over there. Yeah, I'm only using Buffer on free plans everywhere. Sorry, Buffer. But it's because like 10 tweets once per day, that's all I need. Like that gives me about two weeks. All right. And our 15th tool is two tools again. And it's one that we only use during open application periods for TinySeed. And it's Submittable and Pipedrive. Yeah, that was that was one of the tools where you sent me an email and you're like, Tracy, figure out how we're going to do our applications. <laughs> Because our first round of applications was a, an embedded Squarespace form that went into a Google spreadsheet that pretty soon had 900 rows in it with 30 columns. And then we had to hook into Zapier to send a confirmation. You know, it was just a big mess. And, and it, was, it was great for batch one. It was not going to fly for any batch after that. So on the research for looking for, like, how do you deal with an application? It amazed me how many different tools were out there to allow us to do this. So there are things that are very generic, like say Airtable. Then there are things that were very like specific. There are actually like accelerator application tools out there. And then you can also use things like HR, like hiring for employees that also gives you like basically an application people can fill out. So it was like narrowing down all these different tools out there. And we ended up on Submittable because kind of like Notion actually is this something that was, that was also generic and allowed us to tailor the form to exactly what we needed for us as an accelerator, being that we don't match a lot of other accelerators out there. Those other tools kind of, they're like, oh, cool, we're accelerator software. But then they expected you to check all the different pieces of the tool that they had. So they had to, they had this tool and this tool and this tool, and they all worked together, but we only needed like two of those tools and one of those other tools. And we wanted to customize some messaging here, but then that wasn't available. So it was one of those things where it's like, okay, let's use something generic, like submittable and customize it to the way that we need. And he said open applications. We're actually still using it because we have this like mid year application that's higher requirements. So there is the application up still using submittable, using a different thing. Just want to clarify that, that we're still using that right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. And then when we get down to a short list, it's hard to thumb through, you know, submittable is not made for kind of moving someone through a funnel. And that's what essentially we move people, move their application into pipe drive and then work from there and do a bunch of calls. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, again, the tool does 90% of what we need. The 10% that we still needed could be covered by pipe drive for those like really the nitty gritty of really discussing each company that's in our in our pipeline. We could have hacked Trello to do that too, but I think Pipedrive as a CRM has the reminders built in that I think are probably more useful than just using Trello. And seeing who was talking to who when. Yeah. I think I use that a lot, knowing that you had a call with this person and Aner talked to them at this date and then I'm able to like schedule a call with them. So that was really interesting and something that was missing from the submittable. And that did exist in some of these other application systems, but they had more downsides. And I said we only had 15 tools, but I lied. We actually have a bonus tool. Tool 16 is called Front. It's at frontapp.com. And you are the one that has used this the most. I think I logged in once. Yes, I wanted you to use it more, but you're like, nope. <laughs> no, it wasn't nope. It was more like, I'm, I check, here's the thing, I do so much from my phone that if it doesn't just not, like I'm in Gmail and if I can just reply and do stuff, cool. If not, that's going to wait till tomorrow. That's often the, the deal breaker for me. Yeah, yeah, you didn't need to be in it. And I don't think I'm using, personally, I'm using Front as, it has a much larger feature set than what I am using. But, and I used Front just for TinySeed but allows me to kind of just deal with support 
I want to say we don't really have support, but we do have emails that are coming in from Tiny Seed's general email address. And Xander and I also work together on some of the microconf emails that come into the general email address. And it's one of those tools that allowed for better collaboration between him and myself for assigning, I can assign emails to him, he can assign emails to me. And then in addition, Front had the tools and plugins I wanted and I had in Gmail, but um, worth paying for, like Boomerang. I was paying for Boomerang for a personal account, allowed me to like schedule things. Gmail has it built in now, but when they didn't, I was using Front for those things. So Front has snoozing and it has scheduling and all those kind of other features that are, are kind of like being added to Gmail, but it's all within one email suite. So it's one of those kind of tools where it's like Gmail plus plus, and it was worth it for us to add for like a work capacity. Yeah. And, you know, in the past I've used, I really liked Help Scout for email support, but it perhaps in this case is a little heavier, even though Help Scout is pretty lightweight and I, I still really like that tool. And if I was running a SaaS app, I would, I'd probably use Help Scout would be my number one, but Front I've heard can, can do a lot of the same stuff. Now I'm having this like little memory come in of us having this conversation when I was pitching Front to you. And I think if I recall correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, is that Help Scout emails look like they're coming from Help Scout? Or is that in their tool? No, that's another tool. No, that's like Zendesk and stuff. Uh, yeah, okay. but I think there may be some indication. I mean, th- that's the whole point. Is I that's what I liked about Help Scout is that it looks like it's coming from that support person. Yeah, so it's so good for support teams and friends. I think for us is like we're primarily working on something else, but we need the ability to do support as well. It's much more of a side thing. So. Yep. Exactly. That's a heck of a list. And there's a heck of a lot more than 15. You see how I hacked that? I didn't want the title to be like 21 tools we use because that would just be egregious. Yeah, we could just yelling out tools at each other just so we can we don't have the, the podcast going on too long. Exactly. So yeah, thanks again for uh, for coming back. It's always, it's always fun to chat with you. Folks can... Oh, here's where it goes. So now from memory, I get to say your... Tracy Osborne on Twitter and TracyMakes.com on the interwebs. Is that right? Nope, you got it backwards. <laughs> no, are you kidding me? No, I thought, oh my gosh. All right. Tracy Makes on Twitter and TracyOsborne.com. Yes, if I could get Tracy Osborne on Twitter, I would. However, that person is a real person and I don't think they like that. Yeah, yeah. That would be weird for you to suddenly take over their identity like that. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. We will have a full list of those tools in the show notes today if you want to refer back to them. Thanks for joining me again today. I will talk to you next Tuesday morning.